It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In today's show, bloody hell, what aren't we going to talk about? The trade deadline has come and gone. We're going to be talking about the impacts. I've gone through and updated all the basketball monster projections, so we'll see exactly what comes out of it. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to RocketMoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So I've sat there and digested the NBA trade deadline over the last two hours or so gone through and trying to adjust projections as a first pass. Of course, all of this stuff will change and we'll dig more into it over the next three, four, five days as we see how players actually get used and, and how teams run their rotations. There's already going to be curveballs thrown around. Don't worry. We're going to get all to that as we get through this. So let's just look at what actually did happen. I think I've caught most of the moves. I didn't include draft picks in this because that's really not the point of us talking about this for a fantasy perspective. We covered the draft picks changing hands on the live show earlier today. So we're not looking at you know, draft picks coming in and out. I think there might be one or two on these slides that I missed of players leaving, but we'll get to it and we'll talk about it. So, warning, it's been a long day. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. What happened there? Who comes in? The players coming in, Sadiq Bay, the depressed penis, Bruno Fernando, Bruno Fernando, sorry, and Garrison Matthews going out, Frank Kaminsky and Justin Holiday. So, we get it's it's a net gain of players like Fernando, Kaminsky, Maris, uh, Matthews, and Holiday. None of those guys are probably going to play, but you're squeezing Sadiq Bay somewhere into the rotation, so it's an upgrade. They gave out I think it was five second round picks, which was the standard going rate for players. Apparently, five second round picks, but Bay comes in, so. It's not great for Sadiq Bay. I don't think when we talk about his fantasy value, he's not going to have a pathway to 30 minutes. And even in 28 to 30 minutes in Detroit, he wasn't really knocking the door down as a top 100 player. This does not look particularly strong for him. Does it impact some other players? Yeah, I think it does have an impact on Bogdan Bogdanovich and maybe even a little bit on the Baptist Johnny Collins because if they want Bay to play at the four, um, there's that opportunity now. So it just adds another wing player in there. I think it also impacts somewhat onto DeAndre Hunter. And honestly, this probably pushes Hunter, Bogdanovich, and Bay all out out of any, well, not that they necessarily were there, but I don't know that they're must-roster 12-team league players. 
because they're all going to have some sort of cut in impact. Yes, it probably pushes guys like AJ Griffin out of the rotation. He wasn't playing that much. And Jalen Johnson, who wasn't even playing every night either. These are guys who aren't going to play most nights. Like, don't worry about Fernando. Don't worry about um, Garrison Matthews necessarily. The Bay is uh, like, was he going to play 22, 23 minutes? Maybe 24? I don't think he's all that good. So we'll see what he does. But there is at least a one to two minute knockoff and maybe some usage changes to guys like but the, the Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, they're not impacted really. It's going to be Collins. It's going to be Hunter. It's going to be Bogdanovich and Bay. They'll all get impacted. I don't think there's a huge impact on Capella or Okongwu. Maybe they lose like a minute or so and they play John Collins more at the five and go small because they've got that extra option to bring Bay in as a small ball four and play Collins at the five. That's a possibility. It's not going to lead to us dropping Capella, but it might end up leading to us dropping Anyeka Rakongwu. Also, another another year where John Collins doesn't get traded and where Clint Capella doesn't get traded as we wait for this um, Okongwu breakout, which I don't know if it's ever going to come. So that's how we look at Atlanta. Boston is pretty straightforward. I think we get Mike Muscala in and we get Justin Jackson out. So he will be waived by the Thunder. Muscala comes in there. Does this change anything? Not really. Maybe if you're relying upon Luke Cornett in deeper leagues, Muscala in Cornett are very similar players, three-point bombing. Big men, Muscala is relatively reliable as a shooter, but like I don't think we need to have any really impact here uh, on the Boston side of things. Jackson wasn't playing. Muscala doesn't necessarily play every night, and even if he does, he takes the minutes away from Luke Cornett. So I don't think there's a huge amount to worry about with that Boston side. With the uh, Brooklyn side, we did get something extra happen today in that Jay Crowder, who came in yesterday, has gone out. So their overall um, input of guys is Bridges in, Cam Johnson in, Finney Smith in, and Dinwiddie in. And going out is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and uh, Tony Warren Jr. We saw in their lineup today um, that Ben Simmons isn't starting. That's a very big development. We still don't fully know what's going on because Claxton's out, Bridges is out, um, Cam Johnson's out and Seth Curry's out. So there's still those four players to get back into it. But Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas are starting. I still don't really know what this means for Thomas. I know that people go, well, they traded away Durant and everything's going to run through Thomas. I, I'm still not 100% convinced on that. But like he was, uh, I, I did not expect anything from this. Like Thomas, I screwed that up, obviously. Um, still don't know how it's going to end up. I still think that if someone, like there, there are trades going down of CJ McCollum and Bradley Beal for Cam Thomas, um, which are crazy to me. Like I'd much rather have those other players. But depending on you know, where it goes and his minutes and his usage and his scoring, like he could average 20 points a game here, Cam Thomas. And yeah, I don't know what other stuff comes. And but their rotation still remains a, a big question mark. I think this is a pretty decent hit, maybe a 20-30 ranking spot hit for Cam Johnson. Um, yeah, I still think we hold him in 12s, barely. Same with Finney Smith, but I'm re- really comfortable on a Royce O'Neal drop if you've got him. Really comfortable on a Seth Curry drop. Really comfortable on a Joe Harris drop. Ben Simmons might become a drop coming off the bench. How his role is, I, I, this is trending towards a drop for him. Um, but we have to see how all of that looks for, for Simmons um, again because they're still waiting on a few of these players to arrive. But uh, Simmons' bench today is not a great sign for his future value. In Charlotte, this is probably where the biggest fantasy stuff happened. They get Reggie Jackson in, who's going to be waived. They get Sfima Hailuk in, who's not going to really do much there. And they lose the cockroach, Mason Plumley, And they lose Jalen McDaniels. So obviously, obviously we're adding Mark Williams. Oh, hi, Mark. But you know that I've banged on and on and on about stashing Mark Williams. And I think it's going to pay off. Now, he is not going to run away and play 33 minutes. I'm not under any illusion that's going to happen. But at worst... I think it's 24 minutes for him, 24 minutes for Nick Richards at worst, but maybe 26, 22. That's more than enough to make um, Mark Williams a 12-team league player. He just has to be added. 
he, he just has to be. Like, where have I got him projected rest of season? Like, top 75. I think he has to be added. Is The question's got to be, is Nick Richards a 12-team ad? I think he's close. He's definite 14-team league ad, Nick Richards. I would consider him in 12s. The other thing this does do, especially for points leagues, is really helps Kelly Oubre when he returns because Jalen McDaniels isn't there. Cody Martin, I don't know when he's going to play. So Oubre might actually be able to get 30 minutes still which he probably wouldn't have been able to with a healthy squad, with a full squad with Jalen McDaniels. So he might be able to still do that. So I think there's a gigantic rise for Mark Williams. There's a significant rise for Big Dick Dick Richards, who has been out of the rotation. So he jumps in and it could have some 12-team value. And don't be surprised if there are nights when he has better nights than Mark Williams. I would prioritize Williams, but I wouldn't rule out adding Nick Richards in 12s. He's a definite 14, but I wouldn't rule him out in 12-team leagues. Um... And then you've got yeah, Reggie Jackson. He's gone. That doesn't matter. Mackay Luke, don't think that's going to matter at all. And that absence of um, Jalen McDaniels helps someone like um, JT Thor for deeper leagues. We know each other. He's a friend from work. The God of Hammers. And um, maybe it helps even stabilize a little bit of the deeper league value of Dennis Smith and Teo Maladon with Jackson coming in and then being waived. But, you know, Smith already had that backup point, uh, point guard job. On lock and even on the on the pregame show today, I completely forgot Smith existed. I was like, who's their backup point guard? No, they don't have anyone. That, that, you know, maybe Jackson plays minutes. I completely screwed that up because they have, obviously, Dennis Smith Jr. in that position. Today's episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know, you see those things. Try it free for 30 days and you put your credit card in and then you forget about it. And you get charged all this money. And you don't, don't even, it doesn't even like enter your head that you're still getting charged for these things. Well, with Rocket Money, you can change that with a quick few quick taps. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forgot about, like the streaming service that you bought to just watch one show, or that free trial that you never even used. Simply find the subscriptions that you don't want on Rocket Money and press cancel. Rocket Money then goes through, cancels it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. Rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dallas Mavericks didn't do anything today, but I will include this here. They bring in Kyrie Irving. They bring in Markeith Morris. They lose Dorian Finney-Smith. They lose Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, so it's like one player in, two players out. Yes, it is a bump for Josh Green. I don't really believe that Green is a must-roster 12-team lead player, even though his value jumps up because we haven't seen what happens when Doncic is there. So Doncic and Irving together. Like if you want to add Josh Green, not a problem with it at all. He's okay. I think he's going to end up being like a maybe a better Herb Jones as a wing defender who gets some steals, but he actually has been shooting a really high percentage. Whether he starts or it's Reggie Bullock or Tim Hardaway, some of those guys aren't going to start. The big hit, I think, here is Christian Wood. He didn't get traded away. They don't appear to be loving the fit of him in that lineup. They're playing him off the bench. He's not a drop, Christian Wood, but don't be surprised if when we get in a week or two, post-all-star break, he is. Don't be surprised. For the Nuggets... 
They bring in the tank, Tom Bryant, and they move out the big stiffy, the five-minute man, Bones Highland. Tom Bryant is a clear drop. He's Nikola Jokic's backup now. He Maybe he's not even as good as Zeke Naji. I don't know. And he's obviously better than DeAndre Jordan, but there's no value in having Tom Bryant in 12 or 14-team leagues, probably even 16-team leagues. Like You see the backup centers that don't play because Jokic is there playing 33, 34 minutes every night, and Bryant's not going to share the court with him. Not even a top 200 player, Tom Bryant, rest of season. Talked about him being a drop a long time ago, but he's an obvious one now. Uh, Bones out. That's really the only other move they made, but he wasn't a part of their rotation. This is where things get really interesting, though. We go to the next team. I'm not going to cover teams that didn't do anything. Cleveland did nothing. Chicago did nothing. Chicago, disaster franchise. Anyway, let's talk about disaster franchises. Detroit. What's this team doing? They do bring in um, Blunty. And they trade away Sadiq Bay. Okay. Um, what's the point? Like, you put all this stuff together. Again, I am not convinced that Troy Weaver is this mastermind GM. I've been saying this the whole time. Remember when he traded last season for Marvin Bagley when no one wanted him and you could have just got him as a free agent and then you signed him to a three-year, $40 million guaranteed contract? And now where is he? Fourth string center? What, what, what's, what's the point of all this? And now the report comes out, they get Wiseman and Wiseman's going to start. He's going to start. Now, I didn't even think about it, but uh, Kuka Hill, who hosts Locked on Pistons, was like, surely they're going to start Wiseman and Duran together. But that makes no sense from a perspective of they can't play together. Like, why would they try and do that? And then have they lost faith in Isaiah Stewart, which they rightfully should. Stewart shouldn't play. But they didn't make any move to trade Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, they didn't trade Alec Burke. So what was the, what's the purpose of Alec Burks here? They didn't trade Nerlens Noel. They didn't do anything. They traded away one player who's got some value and got nothing back. I, I, I know there's a whole bunch of picks and all that sort of stuff. I mean, they get a first round pick for Sadiq Bay. I, what's the point of this? Is this bad for Jalen Duran? It very well could be. This is what I don't understand. Jalen Duran's better than James Wiseman. Um, why would you bring in someone to again, replace him, compete with those? I don't know why you would do that. I am holding Duran for sure. The passport legend, but it's really, really, it's really very frustrating. Have they ever watched James Wiseman play? Yes, was it a great situation in Golden State for him? Not really. I, I just don't think he's a very good player. And that happens with players. They're just not very good in the NBA. May, I think he has shown big improvements this year, Wiseman, but you, you didn't actually... What you needed was wings. So you traded away one, who's not that not that good, but not that old, for another center that you don't need. I, and now you're going to start... I, I, surely, if they start him over Duran, I'll lose my mind. Why would they do that? Or you're going to start him next to Duran? A Duran Wiseman front court. What's the point of all of that? Does I feel like Troy Weaver has no understanding of how modern NBA basketball works or the trade market works or anything. He just does stuff. He just does a bunch of stuff. And it doesn't really works out. I this is one of the more confounding things that I've ever seen. This trade. Yes, okay. I I get giving Wiseman a shot. Not on this team. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to give him a shot on this team. After you've already squandered so much, so many resources, and then traded away someone like Sadiq Bay, who I don't love as a player, as you're well aware. Um, where does value sit on this team? Um, it does boost Wiseman. If they're going to start him, like definitely in a 14 team league, you can consider Wiseman. I don't know that he's a 12 team league guy, but I wouldn't rule it out. Like he could come out there and put up 12 and 10 with 1.5 blocks, and maybe he hits 0.83s. It's not awesome, but it's okay. Um, he's a bad free throw guy, but he's a good field goal guy. Hopefully he's a good field goal guy. 
I, I just, I don't understand. So I'm holding Duran. I'd consider adding Wiseman. Um, yeah, other guys on the roster, the people are like, does Bay moving help someone like uh, Jaden Ivey? I don't really think so. Does it help Killian Hayes? I don't really think so. What I think it does is it helps Isaiah Livers, but his fantasy profile at the moment in his career is so poor, Isaiah Livers, that it matters for 20-team leagues, maybe 18-team leagues. Like, he's going to have to get some extra minutes. But if they start Wiseman and Duran together, that means Stewart's coming off the bench, which is going to impact Livers' role. Like, the, the rotation doesn't make a lot of sense. So, yes, like, make sure Killian Hayes is grabbed. I'd be grabbing him in 12-team leagues. I think Isaiah Stewart is pretty droppable. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. Ivy, honestly, he's borderline. He hasn't shown anything to be good as a category league fantasy player this season. Points leagues, I would hold on to Jaden. And Wiseman's worth a look, but I just... I try to look at it with like, what could they possibly be doing? And as I say, every time with Detroit, I try to look and I go, what would I do? What would make sense here? And then generally, you just got to go the other direction. And I didn't even think getting Wiseman, I go, oh, well, they'll just start him over Duran. Like, of course they would. Why wouldn't they? When I should have, my brain should have gone, Josh, what would what would you do? I would keep Wiseman in a bench role behind Duran. So I, my thought process should have been, well, the Pistons will do the opposite. And they did. And I was just wasn't smart enough to think of it in the moment. Just... I don't know. The thought process is the go on. Again, you can say, well, he's got a master plan. You've been there two years and your team's still the worst team in the NBA and I don't think the future's looking all that bright. Um, so I'm just going to say that you're wrong. Like, cool. I, just, I Again, it, basically every move they make, even the move that I did like when they got Jalen Duran, which was gifted to him. They were gifted. Uh, Duran was gifted to the Pistons through uh, malpractice from the Knicks. And then you go out and do this on top of it. Like, why? Why? And yeah, I'd like them picking Killian Hayes and that's turned out to be bad as well. So I don't know, man. I'm just They just annoy me so much with the decision-making. Maybe they'll end up being good. I don't really think so. Oh, the frustrations, man. All right. The Golden State Warriors. Uh, well, just again, recap. Hold Duran, drop Stewart, add Hayes. Ivy, not much changes. Um, Wiseman, maybe, but probably more 14 team leagues. The Golden State Warriors. Uh, what a disaster in terms of the draft pick of James Wiseman. Could have had so many other options. Lamelo Ball, very obviously. And Yekaro Kongwu would have been so much better. Tyrese Halliburton, my God. That would a disaster of a pick. And then you end up dumping Wiseman to bring in Gary Payton, who you had on your roster anyway, and then let him walk because of tax concerns. Just a disaster for them. But in saying all that, it makes them better this season. So it's a disaster, but it still makes them better. Gary Payton is not a 12-team league ad. But what Gary Payton does, I think, is really is limit some of Dante DiVincenzo's value. DiVincenzo was a, like a 29-minute bench player, and they had really no other wings like that at all. And now Payton might get 20 minutes out of that as well. So I think that I would hold on to DiVincenzo, but I do think he's going to transition into a drop pretty quickly because I think Payton... Oh, Payton's not an ad, but I think that he's going to impact DiVincenzo to become a drop. Not yet, but I don't see Dante having that value as we push forward. Does it help Kevon Looney? Yeah, look, he's a fringe guy if you need rebounds. Does it help Kaminga? Not really. Wiseman was playing zero minutes. Like, he wasn't a part of the rotation. So when you were assessing this, going, well, Wiseman out, that's great for the others. But he was playing. He wasn't playing. He never played. So it's adding someone into the rotation while taking nobody out. So that's why I think there is going to be a hit on DiVincenzo. Look, there's guys like Milk Jerome and Anthony Lamb and yeah, that were playing minutes that probably aren't going to play uh, minutes anymore. They were two-way players, so there's not as much of an urgency to convert them now that Peyton's back. So 
Peyton can take some of those minutes, but it's not as clear cut as your Wiseman out. So someone's jumping into those minutes because he played zero minutes a night. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangio. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is Fangio, America's number one sportsbook. Really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, Fangio. And if you're new to Fangio, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download Fangio now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Fangio lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who'll score a touchdown. And if we have a look for the last, oh, is it going to be the last time for the Super Bowl? Nah, we got more shows for the Super Bowl. The Eagles are one and a half point favorites. Absolutely nothing changing. What about some correct score bets? Got anything interesting happening with that? Let's have a look. Eagles 10 or Eagles 7, Chiefs 10. That's plus 50,000. If you nail the correct score, man, something shifty is going on. <laughs> it's not. But Fangio is there for you and it's safe and secure and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join Fanjul today at fanjul.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's fanjul.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanjul, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's go to the Houston Rockets. So what happens with this um, team? Justin Holiday's in, Frank Kaminsky's in, Danny Green's in. I didn't put John Wall on the ins because he's in, but he's not playing a second for this team, so he's out. Um, they lose Eric Gordon, Bruno Fernando, and Garrison Matthews. And we've all been waiting patiently, I guess, for an Eric Gordon trade. It finally happened. They didn't get the first-round picks that they were looking for. Um, so what do they end up doing? Danny Green's an interesting ad. Justin Holiday's an interesting ad. And I talked about this on live show as well. A lot of people were waiting. Eric Gordon's gone. Tari Eason's going to get those big minutes. And I am very, very far from convinced on that. He could. And I've got no problem with adding Tari Eason as maybe a guy that's like the 140th best player rest of the season. I don't think he's blowing into the top 100. We have seen Eric Gordon be out many times. And Tari Eason benefits exactly zero minutes in those situations. The benefit you might have here is because Kevin Porter is out. So that might give you a little bit of a boost for Eason as they push Jalen Green down. But I still think it's going to be guys like Dacian Nix. And now, given this team sucks so bad on defense and they suck so bad from a veteran leadership perspective, having Justin Holiday, guess what he is? Oh, a defensive wing. And you know who the other guy they brought in is? One of the best veterans in the entire NBA who's a three-point shooting 3 and D wing, Danny Green. Do you think that this team, maybe they buy them out? I've got no idea. But they need 3 and D wings to help with veteran leadership, and these are two of the best blokes in the entire NBA at doing that job. So those 30 minutes a night that Eric Gordon was getting, first of all, KJ Martin's going to start, and he is a must-roster player, I think, KJ Martin here in points and category leagues. Um, but that's no guarantee that five minutes flows onto Eason. He might get literally zero extra minutes, and he stays being the backup power forward behind Jabari Smith Jr., I don't know if Holiday or Green will play every night. I know Kaminsky won't, so don't worry about that. I don't know if Holiday or Green will. They lose Garrison Matthews 10 or so minutes a night, but Holiday and Green can get those minutes. Or Josh Christopher. I, I don't think it's as simple as Gordon out, Eason in, 30 minutes, let's go. Don't think it's that simple at all. Absolutely no worries with taking a flyer on it, but he's down my priority list. Like Mark Williams is at the top. 
It's Colin Sexton's after that. KJ Martin's ahead of Tari Eason. I like Tari Eason a lot, but he's got a lot of deficiencies in his game still. And the minutes. Are they going to change tack completely and stick him in as a three? I'd love it. I'm not I'm not sure they do. Because when Porter is back, KJ Martin will start. And then you've still got the wild thing, Jay Sean Tate there as well. So I don't think it's as big as win as some people might for Tari Eason. I, I don't. And this is basically what I expected to happen. Eric Gordon to be gone. And Eason, I, I, my opinion hasn't changed. Like I didn't think Eason was taking the gigantic step up. Again, maybe they changed their mind and that is completely possible, but it's very hard to predict that, that they will change their mind as much as we might look at it and go, I think this is what you probably should do. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen. A lot of people think that Bruno Fernando going helps Alperen Shangun. I didn't really think there was any impediment to Shangun, to be honest. I think the Fernando nonsense over Shangun ended weeks ago. And Fernando was the backup center, so he just moves out. And either Kaminsky or Garuba is the backup center now. There was no minute split. There was none of that stuff happening with Shangun anymore. So I don't think this is a boost to Shangun at all, really. I don't think it changes anything for him with Fernando gone. As much as we give shit to Steven Solis about having a vertical lob threat, that's a joke that happened two months ago, a month ago, and it hasn't been a problem since. Um, it happened at the start of the season, and it was one of the dumbest things we've seen, but that stopped ages ago. So I'm not really thinking this is a big boost or anything for Shangun. Maybe it helps him with shot attempts because Gordon's gone, but that's really about it. Indiana. What a weird deadline this is. Sergio Barker comes in. He's going to be waived. George Hill comes in. Why? I've got no idea. Jordan Wara comes in. And then they don't actually send guys out. They just wave players. Gogo Badadze, Terry Taylor, and James Johnson all get waived. Remember when Terry Taylor and James Johnson were starting games this season ahead of Isaiah Jackson? That was cool. And now, of course, Jackson is buried. Still buried. Not a 12-team hold. Daniel Tice is their backup center. And Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson aren't going to play. Ibaka's not going to play. He's going to get waived. And I heard some people saying, hey, maybe Jordan War is a big winner. I, I, he is not a very good player. And this he's really a, he's a two. He's a decent rebounder, so maybe he can play the three. But they've still got Matherin. They've got Neesmith. They've got Duarte. They've got Nempard. They've got Heald. I, I wouldn't be doing anything to add Jordan Wara, um in really any league. So Nwora and he'll come in, but... Are they even going to be a part of the rotation every night? And the guys going out weren't a part of the rotation. So I don't really think a huge amount changes here. But if you were stashing Jalen Smith, which I'll do it for one more time because I don't think I'm going to talk about it in this season. Stand by your man. Or if you're starting Isaiah ja- holding Isaiah Jackson, I don't... Dynasty, different story. Especially for Jackson, not for Smith. I think he's bad. Um, if you're holding them in a redraft league, I, I don't see why. Here's one where there's a bit of controversy. Controversy. Controversy, that's the right word. Um, the Clippers. They made they made some moves. They made some moves. In comes Eric Gordon. In comes the five-minute man, Bones Highland. In comes Mason Plumley. Out goes Reggie Jackson. Out goes John Wall. Out goes Luke Kennard. These are the guys that Ty Lue, Jackson, Wall, and Kennard said, man, really find it hard to play them all together. So he just said, they're all gone. They're all out of here. So there are players coming in, right? And... The immediate reaction to this is, well, the Clippers don't have a point guard, Josh, so Bones Highland's a must-add player. I've heard people spout that to me. I I don't actually believe that at all. Again, you know my favorite game, the 240-minute game. Let's go figure it out. And I've got a 240-minute situation here. Yes, we did hear that they're going to limit Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's minutes before the All-Star break. Instead of playing 38, they'll play 33-34. Okay. So what I do think happens here is Mason Plumlee's a pretty clear... Uh, actually, you know what? Hang on, I'm just going to prepare. Been waiting for this for a while. Mason Plumley. Get that garbage out of here! I think he's a pretty clear drop 
even if there's a chance of a minute split with him, if it's a Zubats, which I think is definitely possible, he's not going to play the 30 minutes he needs to be a 12-team league guy, Mason, so I reckon you can get rid of him. Zubats isn't a drop, but let's circle back in a week when he might be. Because if he plays 24 minutes a night, we're not holding on to him. And that's distinctly possible. 24 minutes for him, 21 minutes for Plumlee, and then small ball with, with Batum and Morris. So let's have a look at what this team is. The question people go, well, who's going to be their point guard now, Josh? Well, exactly the same guy who's been their point guard the whole time. Well, the last two months, that or last month, Terrence Mann, right? John Wall hasn't been playing. He hasn't been in the rotation. And Reggie Jackson, his minutes were all over the place, 17, 18, 19. He was also out of the rotation at 1.2. Luke Kennard was in and out of the rotation also. There are minutes available, but it's not all going to bones. Eric Gordon's coming in. So if I have a look at how the minutes shake out on a game-by-game basis, this is how I've got it at the moment, right? And you can uh, feel free to argue with this at all. We know that there's going to be 34 for Georgian and Kawhi. Let's give it 34, okay? Yep, I've got Zubats at 27. That might come down. I've got Plumlee at 20. Actually, I might actually reduce that on Zubats and bring him down to 26. 26 to him, 20 to Plumlee. Okay, so that's those minutes there. Again, if you when you're creating your own sort of stuff, like argue with, argue and change your mind on that as much as you want. I've got Terence Mann playing 23 minutes a night. I've got Marcus Morris playing 28 minutes a night. I've got Norman Powell playing 27 minutes a night. I've got um, Eric Gordon playing 21, Bones Highland playing 14, and Nick Batum playing 13. And you could look at that and go, well, Josh, I think you'll actually play Batum more than 13. Well, you know where those minutes are going to come from? Bones Highland. They don't need point guards. Bones is, is, I think Bones is a good player, but one of the major reasons we looked at him in the deadline, if he goes to a bad team, he's going to be worth an ad. This is the exact opposite of that. This is a very good team. And it's not like I'm giving gigantic minutes to Terrence Mann. He's at 23. Or I'm giving big minutes to Eric Gordon. He's at 21. Could Bones get 16 and Eric Gordon get 19? Sure. But even me for me to get Bones to like 15 minutes, it means I'm basically, well, Covington's out of the rotation and I'm barely playing Batum. It's really hard for me to see Bones getting 22, 23 minutes. He probably needs 23 minutes a night to be a must-roster player, but probably needs 25, to be honest, because he's not going to be thriving on big usage on this team, I wouldn't have thought, with Powell on coming off the bench too. I just find it really hard to see Bones as a 12-team league ad. Again, random stuff can happen, and maybe they say we are going to prioritize Bones over Terrence Mann, over Marcus Morris, over Batum, over Eric Gordon. Totally possible. He also stinks at defense. And it's not like Reggie Jackson or John Wall were playing big minutes or Luke Kennard. And they were sort of, not all of them were playing every night. And there'll be opportunities for Bones for sure on nights where Kawhi sits and Paul George sits or guys get injured. There will be opportunities that arise. But the way that things currently look, he is not locked in to a 25-minute, big-minute role. Maybe he comes in, blows them away, and becomes their starter. Absolutely distinctly possible. I think it's unlikely that a second-year guy who basically played so poorly and complained so so much that he was just dumped out of Denver after having some really high value last season. I find it really unlikely that at any point soon he's going to be playing 25 minutes a night. So I am I am down on Bones in this situation. I don't think he's a 12-team ad. I think people will definitely add him. Um, but I, I don't think that the stash for Bones Highland worked out particularly well. I, I think this is probably one of the worst situations you could find him in. I don't think his role is going to be all that different to what it was in Denver. And I know that you'll say there's no point guard there, Josh. They traded away their point guards. They start Terrence Mann at point guard. Eric Gordon can handle point guard. Like Bones will get minutes. I'm sure he'll be in the rotation, but I don't think there is a big starting role here. Again, maybe he comes in, change of attitude, blows them away. 
but I'm just I'm not really seeing that, and I'm not seeing who the guys are that are going to take that big hit to allow that to happen. The Lakers, they did make some moves today. They bring in a lot of players. Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, and Davon Reed. They lose Tom Bryant, Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano Anderson, Patrick Beverly, and Damian Jones. So Beverly for Bumba was one of the deals today and Davon Reed for Tom Bryant. So basically they dumped Tom Bryant, got some second round picks out of it. Does this make things... Originally, Bryant out, you go, well, that really helps Jared Vanderbilt. And then Bumba comes in, you go, that hurts Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I think in the end, Vanderbilt's going to be playing like 24 minutes a night maybe because I don't know how the pairing with him and Davis goes in the front court. If he starts at power forward, that eliminates what Rui can do. Like Rui gets benched into a 20-minute role. Maybe that's for the best. Um, and Bumba plays the backup center role. Like, I'm not interested in adding Mo Bumba in a 12-team league. I think if we think Anthony Davis plays 35 minutes a night, that's 13 for Bumba. Will they play together when you've still got LeBron, Rui, and Jared Vanderbilt, who are all better than Bumba and can all play minutes ahead of him at the four? Will they go that route? I, I doubt it. Bumba's always going to be on a watch because if he plays 22, 23 minutes, he's a 12-team league player. That's going to require injuries though. Vanderbilt, I think he's okay to be a 12-team league guy. Beasley, similarly. Beasley will get a lot of minutes. He'll get a lot of shots, but his points and threes, he's very empty. And his usage isn't going to be all that high with Rui and Davis and LeBron um, and Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell all taking shots. Beasley will be a spot-up guy and that's great. But if you take six shots a game, that's not good enough. You need to get a little bit of volume into that when you're giving us no rebounds, assists, steals, or blocks and never getting to the line, which is what Beasley is. So Beasley can be a 12-team league guy, pretty soft with it. I think Vanderbilt gets a little bit of a boost heading over here, but the Bumba addition probably hurts him. It helps Bumba because he was a zero-minute player. He was an out-of-the-rotation guy in the Magic, and he goes to probably being in the rotation. But they could also go with Wenyan Gabriel over him too. So I wouldn't think that he is an ad there either. So some interesting... Uh, uh, well, let's talk about drops. Rui Hachimura, very much a drop. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, very much a drop. Um, Troy Brown's going to lose a lot here. Lonnie Walker, there are people still holding him in 12-team leagues. What are you doing? Please. He's been a drop for, for months um, and he can go as well. The Memphis Grizzlies. Luke Kennard comes in. Danny Green comes out. Well, Danny Green's Memphis career didn't last very long, did it? Kennard's a very good shooter, obviously. Probably him and Desmond Bain, two of the best shooters in the entire NBA. Yeah, <laughs> and they're both on this team now. Will Kennard ever get a large enough role to matter? I highly, highly doubt that. He'll take minutes away from Johnny Concha, from Zaire Williams for sure. And then when Brooks gets hurt and Jar gets hurt, he'll get some minutes. And he's one to watch, Luke, but it's only going to be a deep league situation. What it does really hurt is Williams and Roddy and LaRavia and Concha in those very deep formats. Because I think those players just aren't going to be a part of things anymore. So Kennard can come in and be like an 18, 19 minute a night guy would be my guess. For the Bucks, Jay Crowder comes in. They lose a Barker, George Hill, and Jordan Wara. Crowder is going to play a role, but we saw last season in 29 minutes on the Suns, he wasn't necessarily a must-add player. I don't think he's going to start over Middleton or Giannis. Maybe he could start over Grayson Allen. They put Middleton at the two. I'm not sure I love that, but they might do that. But I would think that they wouldn't do that immediately. Crowder hasn't played since May. It's going to be a little bit of time before he works his way back in. Maybe we get to March and he's in there in that role. And then I would consider streaming him. He definitely gets a boost. He was playing zero minutes and now he's playing a a rotation role in this team. But when Portis comes back, he's also in the mix. And Pat Connaughton's there and Grayson Allen's there. So it's not like it's a absolute no-brainer ad. In a a 14-team league, I would add Jay Crowder without, without too much concern. Sometimes it may be good. Sometimes it may be shit. Also remember... That is his sound drop because of the inconsistencies. So if we don't know his minutes roll, we don't know how long it's going to take to get to a big minutes roll, and he's inconsistent as anything, then I'm not all that 
excited about adding him in, in, in standard leagues anyway. Not all that excited about it. The absence of Ibaka, Hill, and Nwora, don't matter. Ibaka wasn't playing. Nwora was sort of playing, but they can just fill it with Wes Matthews or Beauchamp. And George Hill was sort of playing, but you know, Crowder's got to get into the mix there too. And that you know, does, does Javon Carter even play anymore? I don't even know whether he's a part of it or they just run guys like um, Ingles as the backup point guard. This probably hurts Ingles' value as well. I don't think Ingles can be a 12-team league player anymore. Not that I really was super confident in that. For the Minnesota Timberwolves, this is just what happened yesterday. Conley in, Alexander Walker in, D'Angelo Russell out. A lot of people are thinking that all of D'Angelo Russell's playing time is going to go to Jalen Noel. That's just not going to happen. All of D'Angelo Russell's playing time, maybe save one to two minutes, is going to go to Mike Conley. There might be a couple of extra shots to go to Noel and a couple of extra minutes there, but I honestly don't think that he is a 12-team league player. What we saw yesterday might might obscure your thinking. Go, well, look, Russell was out. Look what he did. But there was also no Conley, no Alexander Walker, no Anderson, no Gobert, and eventually no Towns. So Noel's just not going to have that same opportunity. We keep an eye on it for sure, but I'm definitely not scrambling to go and add Jalen Noel. The New Orleans Pelicans, Josh Richardson comes in. Devontae Graham comes out. Now, Richardson was putting up nice 12-team value in the short term for the Spurs. That's a clear drop there. He's not going to play ahead of Trey, uh, Trey Murphy or Herb Jones or probably even Najee Marshall. He might have a 20-minute-a-night roll off the bench. Um, Devontae Graham was actually out of the rotation. Kyrie Lewis was taking those minutes. So does Richardson just take Lewis's minutes? That's possible, but it's just not enough for 12-team leagues. So watching what happens with Kyra, and I don't know where this makes Dyson Daniels, what happens to his role when he, he returns from injury either. So I'm not really caring about Richardson here. He's a pretty clear drop, I think, in 12-team leagues. And honestly, he's probably going to be a 14-team league drop as well. For the Knicks, Josh the Hitman Hart comes in. Cam Reddish is gone. Archer Jackano is gone. Mahai Luke is gone. We have nothing different from yesterday. I, I don't know. Is Josh Hart going to start or is Quentin Grimes going to start? One thing I do feel pretty confident in is that Manuel quickly is going to lose quite a bit of value. Grimes was already a fringe 12-team league guy. This hurts him and it might end up hurting Hart or... If Thibodeau falls in love with Josh Hart, he might play 37 minutes and boost his value. I would rather hold Hart over Quickly and Grimes because I've seen the big minutes of Grimes. I've seen the big, all the minutes of Quickly, and they're not getting better. They're not improving from here. Like bringing Hart in to replace the zero minutes of those other players is not allowing Barrett, I'll throw his name in there, Barrett, Grimes, and Quickly to get better. But there is a chance that the 32 minutes, 31 minutes, 33 minutes that Hart was playing, if Thibodeau falls in love, he might play 39. That's that's a possibility. So it might, probably doesn't happen, but his minutes can go up. I don't see how quickly's go up or um, Grimes's go up. I don't see how there's any way that their minutes increase. For the Thunder, Sharich in, Baisley out. I forgot to put Mike Muscala on the outs. He's out as well. So it's two guys who are part of that center rotation that go out. Now, Muscala... Oh, it's not Muscala. Basley didn't play every single night. But the other thing you've got to realize is Sharich coming in. People look at this and go, well, that means big stuff for Pig Williams. And I've really been impressed with Jalen Williams lately. But Jeremiah Robinson Earl is about to come back too. So it's basically Basley and Muscala out, Sharich and Robinson Earl in. I would love to see them roll a little bit with uh, Pig Williams and see what he can do. But I don't really trust their center rotation. I don't think Jalen Williams, Pig Williams, is going to be a 12-team league guy. People still ask me about the Bronco, by the way. Yeah, absolute must roster has been for months. Broncos country, let's ride. But Sharich is an interesting one. If they committed to starting him 27 minutes a night as their starting center, absolutely I would add him in 12-team leagues. I'm not, I'm not certain that they do. There is a possibility, though. He, he probably is the best player out of him and Robinson Earl and Pig Williams and Kenrich Williams. I think he's the best player there. So if you wanted to take a, a slight stab at someone, I don't mind either Pig Williams or Dario Sharich, but this isn't... You know, 
on the surface, you look at it and go, well, two centers went out. So this is big opportunity for Pig Williams. I don't think it's quite like that because Sharich comes back and could command more minutes than any of those guys did. And then Robinson Earl is about to come in as well. Will come back as well, which is going to have an impact. So I think it's going to leave those guys like Robinson Earl, Sharich, um, Pig Williams is more like 14 to 16 team league guys. I don't think it clears it up as much as it might seem on the surface. For the Orlando Magic. Actually, I'll do this because I need to take a breath. Pat Beverly comes in, Mobamba goes out. Bumba wasn't really a part of the rotation, so this doesn't mean that it's a big opportunity for Bol Bol. People, a lot of people would say, well, now that Bumba's gone, it's huge for Bol, yeah? Not really. It was Mo Wagner as the backup center, and Wendell Carter as the starter, and Bol plays mainly at the four, backing up Bunkero, and then Isaac's going to cut in there as well. I don't think this means you go and add Bol at all. I don't, there's, there'll be times when Wendell gets into foul trouble or gets hurt. There's a bigger opportunity there for Bolt, for sure. But it doesn't make him a must-roster player in my mind. And then Beverly's going to get waived. I don't know where he's going to end up going, but he's going to get waived. And then their guard rotation is intact. It's Suggs, it's Anthony, it's Fultz, it's Harris. Nothing changes there. Another season of them not trading Gary Harris or Terrence Ross, by the way. Um, so not really much changes there. Bumba's out, zero-minute man. Nothing comes in. Not much changes. For the Philadelphia 76ers, Jalen McDaniels comes in and Matisse Thibel goes out. Thibel was getting like 13, 14 minutes a night. I think that this might actually be pretty harmful to someone like Tangles, Tyrese Maxey. Jalen McDaniels is big. He's a wing-sized player. He's a pretty good defender. He can shoot it a little bit. He's a drop in 12-team leagues, Jalen. There's, there's no way I think that he's a 12-team league guy. And it probably hurts someone like um, George Niang and Shake Milton coming off the bench. But Maxey's struggling. And they might say, well, instead of you playing 30 off the bench, you're playing 26 now. And Anthony Melton plays 28 as a starter and McDaniels gets into the mix because Matisse wasn't playing that much. And I think Jalen McDaniels plays more than Matisse. So they have to come from somewhere. They probably start coming from Shake and probably start coming from Nyang, but they could also come from Maxi. We're not dropping Maxi. We might, but we're not. And we're def- I think you'd feel, you'd feel pretty safe dropping Jalen McDaniels at this point. The Phoenix Suns. <laughs> I don't know, man. In, Kevin Durant. Well, that's just crazy. Darius Baisley, Tony Warren, out Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dario Saric. I don't know who's going to be their starter. Um, they're starting Tory Craig and Jock Landale today because Devin Booker is resting. Um, obviously, there's no Cam Johnson there. So I think we can probably pencil in Booker, or not probably, Booker, Paul Durant, Aiden. There's your four starters. And I think it's going to be Craig as the other one. But Damian Lee's getting a start today. Landry Shamit's still got to come back into the mix. I don't think there's going to be a Tony Warren could be there. If I had to pick somebody to take a flyer on as a 12-team league player on the Suns, it would probably be Warren, but I don't really feel comfortable relying upon him to 28 minutes, which is what I reckon he would need, maybe 25 to get there. I don't feel particularly comfortable with that. And Tory Craig in 26, 27 minutes is probably not reliable enough either. They're okay to look at. They gain value. Like Warren gains value. Tory Craig gains value. I don't think it's enough to matter in 12s. Yeah, Damian Lee gains value. It's probably more a 14-team league situation where I'd be more than happy to take a flyer on both of those guys. But yeah, basically, I don't think it's going to be anything to worry about at all. Um, but I don't think there's any 12-team value there. Devin Booker takes a hit. I think with Durant arriving, Chris Paul probably takes a hit. And I think, say, DeAndre Ayton takes a hit as well. Not enough to make you drop him or anything. Of course, it's stupid. But it does reduce their overall value. In Portland... Some interesting things here that I don't know how much it actually clears up for me. In comes Thibel, Reddish, Kevin Knox, and Ryan Archer-Jackano. Out goes Gary Payton, Josh Hart, Sfima Hiluk. Um, Yeah, look. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what this does for them. There's obviously a starting opening there. And 
I'm not convinced who gets it. Is having Matisse Thibault's complete lack of offense something you want in the starting group? Do you want Cam Reddish and his inconsistent play? Do you want Nasir Little, who they haven't really shown a huge amount of faith in with that piddling extension they gave him? Do you want Justice Winslow when he comes back? Or do you want the rookie Shaden Sharp in that mix? That's five guys who are in the mix to start there at the three. And yes, Gary Payton's removed from that mix, but I, I, if I had to add someone, it's, I think the upside of Cam Reddish is the highest because if they did commit to give him 30 minutes a night, he would be a 12-team league player. I don't see any situation where they commit to giving Matisse Thibel 30 minutes. And I don't think that, or if Little even played 30 minutes, it wouldn't matter. And if Shaden Sharp played 30, I don't think that would matter either because he's so poor across so many other categories. I, If I had to fly on someone, I feel more confident in Thibel getting 21 minutes than I do of, of Reddish playing 30. But I know if Reddish played 30, he'd be better than Thibel. I hope that makes sense. I think that it is likely that Reddish plays 20 and Thibel plays 23. But I think that the chances of Reddish playing 30 are much higher than the chance of Thibel playing 30. I think it's going to be just a mix and match situation at the three with a bunch of different guys that gets further complicated when Justice Winslow returns. So is there any ad there? If you are desperate for steals, Thibel might become like a better option versus like a Herb Jones. That sort of player. Um, if you're in deeper leagues, like in any 14-team league, Thibault's a great ad. And Reddish is a great 16, maybe 14-team league ad. Little's more of a 16 to 18-team league guy. But Winslow, when he returns, if he returns, whenever he returns, he might be someone that's got a little bit of interest as well. The Spurs. Ken Birch comes in. Devontae Graham comes in. They did get Deadman a couple of days ago. They've already waived him. Um, Jakob Pertl goes out. Josh Richardson goes out. So there's a big opportunity there with Richardson out for someone to step up. And it's probably going to be Malachi Branham, but but um, we do have to factor in that Devin Vassell is going to return. Trey Jones, Jeremy Sohan are going to play. Um, it's going to be a whole mess situation here. You can add Branham. Not a problem at all. He's 133rd over the last week. Is that good enough to make him must roster? Don't know. I would also be really watching Devontae Graham because their point guard depth chart is Trey Jones. That's it. Branham is not really a point guard, but he was playing point guard. Blake Wesley is sort of a point guard, but they don't really rely on him. If they find a way to give Devontae Graham 28 minutes, he would be worth a look. I'm not adding him. And he's a 16-team league, sort of an ad maybe. But he's worth a look. I'm okay with adding Brandon, but I reckon in two weeks, three weeks' time, we probably end up dropping him. So it looks obvious with Richardson gone the well, you just add Brandon. But I'm not sure that his permanent value is that good. And if he did play 30 minutes still, when... Uh, Johnson, uh, sorry, Johnson, when Sohan and Jones come back, is that going to be good enough? The winner to me is Zach Collins, even though I understand that he's not overwhelming us. I'd much rather add Colin Sexton and Mark Williams and KJ Martin, honestly, over Zach Collins. Deeper leagues, I think you've got to look at Goldfinger as well, Charlie Bassey, who can be a very good field goal, very good blocks guy, who can be an okay free throw shooter. I wouldn't add Charles Bassey in 12s, but he's going to be on the radar. And we watch that minute split. Does it go 24-24? I don't think that Isaiah Roby is going to be getting those minutes, but he's also a name to watch. I don't think Ken Birch is going to play at all, so I don't worry about that at all. And even if Romeo Langford was to get minutes, he's terrible anyway. So I don't think we worry about that from a guard perspective. So we can add Branham. I'm leaving, putting a bit of skepticism on that. Um, I would add Zach Collins, even though I don't think he's going to blow us away. I think he can have some top 100 runs, and he'll also disappoint with foul trouble. And I really do want to watch Charles Bassey to see how they use him. Goldfinger could be interesting. For the Raptors, in comes Yucca Pirtle, out goes Ken Birch. No Ogenanobi, no Gary Trent. So someone's moving to the bench. Who is it? Well, obviously it's Precious Achua. He's a very clear 12-team drop. Probably a 14-team league drop. 
Boucher, probably going to be a drop as well, especially when Ananobi's healthy. I might hold Boucher for a little bit here, but I don't think it's going to last. And then it's going to, I think it's going to have to reduce the value of Gary Trent and it probably loses a little bit of Ananobi as well. I think Pirtle's value rises. I don't think he plays only 26 minutes a night. If he is the answer, and I think he is, like he's much better than any center they've had, and he gets nursed into 35 minutes, well, that's a top 50 player pretty easily. I'm not sure he can play 35, but even give me 31 or 32, and he's got a real opportunity to to blow through here and put up big numbers. Now, this is why I was talking about him as a buy-low player for quite a while, because this is the possibility I was waiting for, that if he goes to Toronto, there's huge minutes here. And we're there now. So I think Precious is a pretty good drop now. I had those other guys that I like stashing. I like stashing KJ. I like stashing Mark Williams. I like stashing Zach Collins. All winners. I said stash Precious, big loser. Didn't work out. All right? Didn't work out. And uh, well, maybe it ends up working out, but I don't think it is going to. So I think you can go ahead and drop um, Precious Chua. Utah, Russell Westbrook comes in. He won't play for them almost definitely. Toscano Anderson comes in. Damian Jones comes in. And Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt go out. As you'll notice, three rotation players go out. No rotation players come in. So that does help Colin Sexton to become an ad for sure. It does help Taylor Horton Tucker to become a 14-team league ad. And it does help Oshai Agbaji to maybe be a 14-team league guy. Now, I don't really think that Agbaji's got a great fantasy game. We saw how much he struggled yesterday. And basically, the rotation they ran yesterday is the rotation they're going to run most nights. They were pretty much fully helped. They didn't have Toscano Anderson and Damian Jones. But otherwise, everyone was there. Horton Tucker was better. Agbaji played like 25 off the bench. I think he can play more than that, but he's not a 12-team ad at this point. He might have some stretches of it, but I'm not looking at him as a must-roster player. If Kelly Linux on your wire, add him. And we took, there's so much talk about Jordan Clarkson getting traded, and one of my major things was, no, I, I heard that he's not getting traded, and they really value him. And a lot of people were worried about Kelly Linux getting traded. Well, neither of those things have happened. Is there a chance they buy out a Linux? I don't know why they would, but they could. But for now, if if Linux is on your waiver wire, I would add him. Does this help Walker Kessler? It he should have been rostered anyway, and he's obviously a must-roster player. Um, it probably helps somewhat, but most of the time, what was holding back Kessler was fouls, not necessarily the presence of Vanderbilt. But when your backup is now not Jared Vanderbilt, it is um, oh, uh, Damian Jones and Yudoka as a BUK, they'll be less inclined to split those minutes. So it does help Kessler get a pretty significant boost. And then lastly, we go to Washington. They didn't trade anyone, but they did decide they're going to buy out Farton Will Barton. And it is important to note that Will Barton was playing zero minutes. So that doesn't change anything. It just helps, I guess, Kendrick Nunn and um, Corey Kispert a little bit. But Barton played zero minutes. He's going to get bought out. I don't actually care where he goes. Like It's not going to impact most fantasy leagues. So that's all of the teams. Now, I'm going to go through some things, winners and losers. These are not in any particular... Actually, they are in a little bit of an order. It's more like who I think gains the most, whether that means 12-team or not. I don't know. Well, I do know. It doesn't mean that necessarily. But we're going to go through all of these names who I think gained. Mark Williams, 12-team, must roster, best ad of the day. Colin Sexton, pretty strong ad, available still in 30% of ESPN, uh, of Yahoo leagues. James Wiseman is a big winner. He was playing zero minutes, and now he is going to start. Am I convinced he's a 12-team league guy? No, but a starting player, which again, no matter how stupid I think it is, he's going to start. It's worth a look. Cam Thomas, yep, I think he is a winner. And, you know, I, I did not foresee this with Cam. We'll see what happens in two to three weeks. And, you know, but I I should have... I, if I go back and have a look, I'm pretty sure I said have a crack at adding him on the weekend if you want, if you stream, but I'm not really confident long-term. And I'm clearly wrong on that, that he wasn't able to put up... Like, I, I had no idea he'd put up those numbers. Um, 
and I think he's a, a pretty strong winner now. I still think that if someone's offering you Bradley Beal or CJ McCollum, that, that I would definitely do that in a trade. But he looks like he's in a good position. But their rotation is still a complete mess. KJ Martin, pretty clear winner. 12-team ad. Zach Collins, pretty clear winner. Cam Reddish is a winner. Wasn't playing, and now he is. Matisse Thybul goes from 10 minutes a night to maybe 20 minutes a night. Charles Bassey goes from out of the rotation to probably the backup. Taylor Horton Tucker goes from a lot of the time out of the rotation to the backup point guard. Agbaji gets a gain of maybe 10 minutes. He's a big winner. Um, Tory Craig, he's like a 14-team league ad now. Tony Warren gets to play a larger role in Phoenix as well. All these guys boost their value. They're not all 12-team ads, but Williams, Sexton, Thomas, Martin, Collins are. Wiseman's a spec ad. Thibel and Reddish are probably more 14, same as Bassey and Horton Tucker and Craig and Warren, while like Bargy's more of a 16-teamer. Some other guys to gain value, Isaiah Livers, probably only deeper leagues. Joshy Green, I think more 14 than 12, but I don't mind it in a 12. Jalen Noel gains some value with an extra minute or two and some extra shots, but I don't like him as a 12-teamer. Um, the five-minute man was out of the rotation, Bones Highland, and now he's going to probably play. So while he gains value, I don't think that he's a 12-team league guy. Gabe Vincent, the reason I think he gains value is the Heat didn't make a trade, and I think Lowry's in real trouble with his knee, and they might just stick with Vincent for a prolonged period of time here. So that I think he's worth a 12-team look, Gabe Vincent. Devontae Graham goes from out of the rotation to being the backup point guard in San Antonio. That doesn't make him a 12-team league guy, but it makes us want to watch it. Branham, with Richardson gone, does help him. Does it make him a solid 12-team league player? I'm not certain on that. Reggie Bullock, with the trade, it does help him. He's played really well. We'll see what happens when Doncic comes back. He's probably more a 14-teamer. Jakob Pertl goes from uncertain minutes on a bad team to a team that's looking to compete more now and with more minutes. Big winner. Walker Kessler gains a couple of minutes, probably. And Pig Williams, I think, gains somewhat. I'm not convinced on that. But he gains somewhat there with the trade of Muscala and the trade of Darius Baisley. But that, as I said earlier, that might not come to fruition. Losers. I think Russell Westbrook's a big loser because he was playing 29, 30 minutes a night. No matter how much it cost the team, he was getting those minutes. Now we don't even know who he's going to play for. Could he find himself on the Clippers, which is another reason why I hate the Bones Highland situation? Could he find himself on the Bulls? Yeah. If he's on the Clippers, I don't think it's a big positive. If he's on the Bulls, they're stupid enough to play him 33 minutes next to those other players, and he would put up good numbers. So, But for now, he's a loser. Patrick Beverly, also a loser, because I don't know what team he's going to, and I don't think he's going to have a situation where he plays a large enough role to matter. He probably wasn't going to do that in LA, but now he's sort of floating around, and most of the time, these buyout guys slide into like eighth man roles, most of the time. Mason Plumley, the cockroach, big loser, is not going to play 32 minutes a night. Big drop-off. Seth Curry, Joe Harris, put those guys in there as losers as well. I think Christian Wood's a pretty big loser here too. I think with the addition of Kyrie, that uh, defensive um, trio of Kyrie, Doncic, and Wood is untenable, and the guy who loses out is Wood. It's not going to be Kyrie and Doncic. And getting defenders in there, like Muxy Kleber when he returns, getting Dwight Powell in there, Reggie Bullock, it might take Wood from being a 32-minute-a-night player to 28. It might take him to 25. Shit, it might take him to 22. Um, I think it's more likely to be instead of 32 minutes, he's a 29-minute-a-night player, but I think he loses. Sadiq Bay loses. He goes from getting every shot that he wanted basically in a weird hybrid starting bench role to being almost a definite bench player in Atlanta and seeing shots and minutes drop off. Josh Richardson drops off from being a starter to being a bench player in New Orleans. Dennis Schroeder loses out with Russell coming in. Hachimura loses out with Vanderbilt and Beasley coming in. Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes lose out with Josh Hart coming in. Ben Simmons loses out, moving to the bench with the addition of Dinwiddie and all of those wings. He loses out a lot. Gary Trent loses, I think. Um, Cam Johnson loses. He was going to be a 31, 32-minute-a-night starter. I'm not convinced that happens in Brooklyn. 
So he, I would hold on to Cam in 12s, but I think he's going to lose value. Preston Shu is a pretty big loser. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, I think, loses out with Sadiq Bay there. It might make Bogdan a 12-team drop. Not yet, but might, maybe. Oji Anobi loses out. Um, I don't know why I said it like that. Oji Anobi loses out because I just think, again, someone's got to move to the bench, and while Trent might move, it just probably takes a minute or two away from OG. And Jalen Duran, amazingly, for that incompetent franchise, I think Jalen Duran loses out too. Even if he does start next to Wiseman, which again is unfathomable, the lack of spacing, the guys getting in each other's way, getting rebounds, block shots, Isaiah Stewart finding minutes somewhere, it hurts him. It's ridiculous, but it hurts him. If I look at guys that are available in a lot of spots who I think can be added, obviously Mark Williams is number one, uh, Colin Sexton, Zach Collins, Cam Thomas, KJ Martin. I think they're all 12-team league guys as top five. The next ones, Josh Green, Jared Vanderbilt, and Tari Eason are probably back-end 12, 14-team league type players. So they're, they're eight names that are available in a chunk of leagues, over 25% of leagues. I think all of them are available in 30% plus, except Cam Thomas, who's 25% available. They're all uh, guys to look at with some value, but all of the projections have been updated at Basketball Monster. We're going to go through this every day, really, really fine-toothed to, to make out or see what happens with all these changes, with all these players changing teams and rotations changing, and we'll keep you up to date with stuff when it happens. And that was bloody exhausting. Guys, follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Tell me if I forgot anything. I might have. I'm pretty tired. Um, subscribe, notification bell. Let's get to 60,000 subs on YouTube before the All-Star break. That's the goal. We're a couple of weeks away. Let's get there. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.